Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. All right. I probably have the strangest slide you've ever seen at the beginning of a PowerPoint for a message. You know, everybody's thrilled with the rain, but every field out here is just covered with stuff that exudes pollens. So those of us who have a lot of allergy issues, it's a little bit miserable. So it is just allergies, but that's still a big problem. So we got this package in the mail, and you have to try and guess what was in that package. And the English product features were written by somebody that doesn't really understand English very well. So I'm going to read the product features, and then you have to try and guess what the product is. Number one, contracted design style. With you, life contracted and not simple. Number two, leather strap becomes soft. Make you more wearing, more comfortable. Number three, pure steel steel buckle. Fine grinding and polishing, long service life. You probably got that one okay. Here's the best one. Number four, genuine leather strap. Make sure that when you wear, neat and submissive. What product is that? A belt or you're thinking buckle shoes or maybe a backpack or something like that? No, it's actually the wristbands for her Fitbit. I love when she wears her Fitbit. It makes her neat and submissive. What a blessing. (laughs) But listen, you think those miscommunications are bad? Have you heard some of the conversations between husbands and wives? (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Have you heard some of the conversations between teenagers and their parents? There's lots of miscommunication that goes on. And there's some miscommunication in the church. Now, this morning, we're going to fit together teaching in the Bible that some people think are very contradictory. In fact, there's a huge division among churches who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ, and it has to do with how they interpret these passages and other passages like them. So I could have had all the scripture on the screen, but I actually would like you to turn in your Bibles or click on your Bible to get to it. We're going to start in Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to look at several passages of scripture together. And if you have a way in your online one or, or your Bible to, to stick to Ephesians 2, we're going to go away from it, and then we're going to come back to it a little bit later, okay? So it will be helpful to you if you can uh, get back to it quickly the second time. Heavenly Father, we open your word today with the understanding it is the Holy Bible. It's not a book written by men. It's not a book that people conspired to put together. In fact, it's a whole series of books, but they weren't. We talk about the human writers, but the author was the Holy Spirit. We understand that. 
The scriptures teach that. These words were spoken not by men, but the Holy Spirit of God spake and moved in their hearts and lives, and they then wrote these words. And then you have preserved them for us through the ages and translated them for us so that we can understand them and read them and appreciate it and value it. And this morning we're coming to you and we ask your wisdom for two things. Number one, help us to understand what the scripture truly teaches on this subject. And secondly, Lord, help it to make a difference in our lives. We don't want to just have it in our head. We want it to work out to our whole body. So we ask that you would speak to us, that your Holy Spirit would communicate with us, that we would be receptive hearers, that we would listen and learn and adjust our lives to to fit the pattern that you would have us to follow. And we thank you for your love and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians chapter 2, you see on the screen, it's verses 8 and 9. These are oft-quoted verses on frequently memorized It says in verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith and thought not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So if you can work to get your salvation, then you could brag about it and say, I made it. What's wrong with you? Uh, But you can't. That's what he says here. So there are several things that are called solas in Uh, Christian teaching that we understand, things that are exclusive. And so the first is you are saved by grace. Saved by grace alone. It's a gift that we receive. Secondly, we are saved through faith alone. What do you think the third one is? In Christ alone. We are saved by grace Through faith in Christ, there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, only Jesus Christ. I had a friend when I was working a job in Texas in a a temporary job in a hotel, and uh, uh, we ended up having lunch together. I was working in the administrative side, she was working in the finance side, uh, but we were the two assigned to cover our whole area where all the other people went to lunch. And then when all the other people, about a dozen people, when they were done with their lunch, they would come back into the office area and she and I would go eat our lunch together. She was raised Buddhist and we talked about things that the Buddhist faith had in common with the Christian faith, like be nice to each other, show kindness, have respect for life. And, uh, but then I share, but there's a big difference in, in the Christian faith. We have to trust Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Buddha is still dead. Christ rose from the dead. And we talked about that. And then she eventually came and visited our church. And then she got saved. And she got baptized. And she joined the church. And I got laid off. It was like (laughs) God put me there just for her. Assigned me to that lunch hour just for her. And I'll spend eternity with her in heaven. Praise the Lord. Uh, But we get saved. It's not by works that Paul makes very clear. Now, uh, you're in Ephesians. Turn forward in your Bible to Galatians chapter 2. If you mark that spot in, in Ephesians, that would be great. Forward means toward the front. 
Galatians and then Ephesians. So, uh, You all read backward, don't you? All right. Uh, Galatians chapter 2, look at verse 16. Galatians 2, 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ, that in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Jump down to verse 21. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. If you could earn your salvation, then there was no need for Jesus Christ to die on the cross. But you cannot earn your salvation. You can only receive it from Jesus. Now Paul says also in Romans chapter 4, uh, turn there please. Romans chapter 4. Romans, then 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and then Galatians. So, Just a little previous in your Bible. Okay? Romans chapter 4, while some of you are still turning, I'm going to go ahead and start reading and just listen and then catch up with us. Romans chapter 4, verse 1. What shall we say that, uh, what then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? And he quotes from the Old Testament. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. That's described in Genesis 15. Now, verse 4. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as a debt. If you hire somebody to do a job and they do the job, you have to pay them. That's the right thing to do. Look at verse 5. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. And now he's quoting again from the Old Testament from the Psalms. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. So as we're reading through these verses, we see that we are saved by grace. It's a gift of God. And the requirement for receiving that gift is faith in Jesus Christ. Hebrews 11:6 we uh, read earlier, without faith it's impossible to please him. It doesn't say without faith and works, it says without faith. Now, if you'll turn to James chapter 2. We'll stay there for a little bit. James chapter 2. Now, James presents a different picture. James says what seems to be the opposite of what Paul says. And we need to look at it and think about it and, and let it resonate in your head. And we'll talk about the difference for a moment and then we'll resolve it and talk about how they, they, the correct way to understand it. And by the way, this is not the correct way according to Terry Green. This is the correct way according to rational, objective interpretation of Scripture. And you'll see that in just a moment, okay? 
So now we're in James. James writes about uh, Abraham as well. James chapter 2 and verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if somebody says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? Now, you could say, can that kind of faith save him? Verse 15, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now, earlier this morning during the Bible class hour, a guy came to the church and he wanted a Bible. And uh, Brian uh, brought him over to talk with me and, and he, we gave him a couple of Bibles here. And then I remembered that I had a study Bible that my sister gave me to give to somebody. And so I gave him that brand new Bible as well. And that's what he wanted. He just wanted a Bible. Well, uh, what if you were going out to lunch today and you see somebody who has no food at all? I know that some of the homeless people, they're beggars, and actually some of the people who beg for money actually make a pretty good living at it. In fact, we started an organization here in Casa Grant. We didn't start it, but our church is part of it, a community assistance group, and it's now coordinated by CARA, if you know who what that group is. But uh, but we give money to that every month, and then they have funds to be able to help people. Because what was happening, we found out that people would hit up church after church after church. And, and once they made the rounds of all the churches, sometimes they got more than a thousand bucks. And that was better for them than working a job. So, so we set this up. The Bible says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Okay? We're not supposed to just give to people so they can choose to be lazy. But, but when somebody has a genuine need, and you're aware of that genuine need, and it doesn't stir your heart, there's something wrong with you. You're supposed to be generous toward them. And that's what James is writing about here. And he says, if you just say, one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things that are needed for the body, he said, that's a dead faith. That's not real and living faith. Um, then he says in verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God? You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Have you thought about that? You know, all the time people say, do you believe in God? Oh, I believe in God. Believing in God is not enough. You have to believe in and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ that he paid the penalty for your sins on the cross, that he rose from the dead the third day, that he's living on high. You have to believe that. You have to understand that. To believe in God, lots of people say they believe in God, but they ignore what God's word says. Lots of people say they believe in God, but they haven't trusted in Jesus Christ as their savior. And we need to do that. You need to do that in order to be saved. So he says, uh, even the demons believe and tremble. They know the judgment is coming. So now look at verse 20. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? And now he goes back to the foundation of the nation of Israel. Abraham is the father of Israel. And he says, was not Abraham our father justified by works? Well, pause right there. 
What did Paul say about Abraham? He was not justified by works. And now James is saying, was not Abraham our father justified by works? Whoa, do you kind of picture Paul and James having a, a duke it out session to see whose theology would become uh, more important in the church? In fact, some churches have done that. They've moved like uh, James' pet letters to the back or they've moved James' letters forward to be more important. Well, look what else he says. He says, was he justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? That's from Genesis chapter 22. Look at verse 22. Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect or complete? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So both James and Paul are quoting from the same Old Testament passage from Genesis 15, that he believed God and it was counted for righteousness. Verse uh, the middle of verse 23, and he was called the friend of God. That's verse 23. Verse 24, you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab, <clears throat> excuse me, Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? Aren't, aren't you glad people don't call you by your sin? You know, I, I, I wish it just said, you know, Rahab, the woman formerly known as the harlot. I, you know, it's always Rahab the harlot. Even in Hebrews 11, when it praises her for her faith, Rahab the harlot. Um, and she was changed. She believed God and trusted in God and was delivered from the lifestyle that she had. And actually, if you read through the Old Testament, she's in the lineage of Christ, the ancestry of Jesus Christ. Uh, she's his... Uh, you know, a couple generations before uh, and David and it just comes on down and she is one of the people, one of the Jesus Christ in the flesh as a child of Mary. He wasn't a child of Joseph, but he was the son of God and the son of Mary. Jesus was a descendant from Rahab because God heals people and forgives their sins. Verse 26 for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So Paul said Abraham was not justified by works, and James said Abraham was justified by works. So according to some church historians, we have this big split in the church. There's a divide among churches, and some of the churches are going to lean toward James and some of the churches are going to lean toward Paul. And you know what's really interesting? We do see that divide among churches that call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. There's a division. And so on the one side, uh, following James, you have the Catholic, the Orthodox churches, which is Eastern Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, Greek Orthodox, uh, even some liturgical Lutheran and Episcopal churches. Uh, they lean toward James' teaching of faith plus works. And uh, so uh, the, on the other side, you have Protestant, Baptist, evangelical churches, and they lean toward Paul's teaching that salvation is exclusively by grace. So on the 
one side, you have, uh, they require baptism as a means of salvation, as well as confession and penance to earn their forgiveness. So I was talking with a guy who was a pastor of a church of Christ. We used to run together. We were both former military. We both became pastors in uh, Green Valley, Sawarita area, about 100 miles south of here. And, and we were uh, young. I was a little bit older than he was, but we were both relatively young. And, uh, and we, 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 we wanted to exercise regularly, and we started running together. And then he was trying to convert me to his way of teaching. Fortunately, I was a little faster than him, so I could run a little faster and still talk, and he had to work hard to keep up, and he couldn't uh, argue back with me. But he was adamant that you have to be baptized in order to be saved. And so if somebody was, and baptized by immersion, by the way, so if somebody was on their deathbed and trusted Jesus Christ, they had to fill up the bathtub and push him in there real quick. Now, he called it a work of faith. Baptism was a work of faith. And a lot of churches teach that if you're not baptized, you're not saved. Now, other church, some of those churches also teach that if you got baptized, you're good no matter what you do. And baptism, anyway, all right, I'll get off track. Then on the other side, you have the faith alone group. And that means faith plus nothing. You believe and receive. You don't believe and do this and that and this and that. Now, the book of Galatians, Paul's writing to those believers in Galatia, and he's tell, talking to them about the corrupted gospel, that somebody brought in a gospel which was different. And that gospel, they said, you have to believe in Jesus and convert to Judaism and follow the Old Testament laws. No, it was just believing in Jesus Christ. And so there's this dialogue going on. And, and by the way, the lines that I drew up there, they're not exactly uh, that clear cut because I read a book by a guy who professes to be a Protestant believer and, and it professes to be in the camp of faith alone. But he says, you are not saved by faith alone. You are saved by discipleship. If you are not a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are not saved. Now, being a disciple of Christ comes after salvation. You should be a disciple of Jesus Christ, a learner, a follower of Jesus, but after you receive. So the simple truth is this apparent division is not caused by James disagreeing with Paul. It's not caused by Paul disagreeing with James. Paul and James were consistent. What the problem is, a poor interpretation of Scripture. And we need to understand the Scripture correctly. So if we genuinely look at the truth of Scripture, you're going to see that Paul and James are actually in agreement and that you need to use three words to clarify this. How many of you can count to three all by yourself? Right? All right. You can use three words before or after. Before or after. Say it with me. Ready? Before or after. That's all you need. Now you got it down. Ready to go? Let's pray and dismiss. All right. Let me explain it to you, okay? Before salvation, works mean nothing. I knew a guy 
wasn't a believer, was wealthy. I, I didn't know him personally, but I knew of him. He gave $1.8 million to a Christian ministry to try and get into heaven. I had co-workers. Uh, one was raised Mormon, one was raised pagan. And they were, um, I worked with the wife, actually. They were expecting a baby, and the, there was distress. The baby was born, and there was distress. And they called me to the hospital, and they asked me to pray for their baby. And I had been witnessing to uh, the couple, and, and uh, I went to the hospital, and I prayed with them. And after I was done, he said, okay, good. Well, we've had a Catholic priest and a Mormon bishop, and now we got a Baptist. Now we need to get a Lutheran and a Methodist to come in and pray. He was trying to just cover the broad spectrum. All right, listen, if you could earn your salvation, Christ would not have died on the cross. He would have sat back and let those who could earn it. You cannot earn it. Works before salvation do nothing. In fact, some people are just good people. They're not saved. They haven't asked Jesus Christ to forgive their sins. They haven't received the gift of salvation, but they're just good people. Some of you were good before you got saved. Some of us were not so good before we got saved. And Christ had to dramatically change our lives after we trusted him. But some people are just good people. In fact, Kathy and I have used that description. Good people persons, they're the hardest ones to get saved because they're generally better than most of the Christians they know. They're just good people. And so you can't, it's hard to get them to understand that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That there's none righteous, no, not one. They think they're doing pretty good. And they may be when they compare themselves to people, but when they compare themselves to the high and holy standard of the Lord Jesus Christ and God's holiness, we all fall short. So uh, some people think you can pile on up enough works to merit salvation. So, you know, you take a little bit of faith, add in a few works, and voila, salvation. It doesn't work that way. Repentance is necessary, but repentance is a matter of the heart, not an action of the body. It's your sorrow for sin and rejecting your sin. So after your salvation, works become very important. So look again at James chapter 2. Now, are you in James 2? Well, look at James chapter 1. He's writing to believers. He's a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, writing to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. He's writing to the believers who were primarily Jewish at that point in church history. And he's writing to those who'd fled from Jerusalem and they've been scattered abroad. So he is writing to believers. He says in verse chapter 2, verse 1, My brethren, writing to his brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, he is not talking to unsaved people as Paul was. Paul was saying, those of you who have not trusted Christ, you need to receive it by grace through faith, grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. James is writing to believers. And James is saying, your faith should produce works because Faith that does not produce works is not 
real faith. Do you see the difference? Before and after, or before or after. So uh, back at verse 14, uh, what does it profit, my brethren, if one says he has faith but does not have works? And then he talks in verses 15 and 16 about you need to have faith that leads to generosity. Faith that sees people in need and seeks to meet that need. Faith that is not just trying to satisfy your own heart, your own desires, but faith that is ministering to other people and caring about other people. And then the rest of the chapter, he talks about faith that goes in, that true faith leads to faithfulness, just like Abraham, who received God, who believed in God and trusted in God, and then he was able to go up and be ready to offer Isaac as a sacrifice because he believed that God was able to raise Isaac from the dead. He had that much confidence in God that he would obey God no matter what because his belief brought him to salvation and that faith led to works. That you have to have both. So James says, if you have faith that has not changed your life, it's not real faith. Now, I said we were going to look back at Ephesians chapter 2. So, if you can, flip back there. <clears throat> James, Ephesians chapter 2. All right? Look at verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Yesterday, Kathy and I had the opportunity of uh, being up in Flagstaff for, or for Friday, up in Flagstaff for a little bit, and uh, we got to celebrate birthday for three of our grandkids up there, and that was just really fun, and they got gifts. Now, after they got the gift, did we hand them the receipt and say, you owe us this much? No, then it wouldn't be a gift. I suppose some people do that. They buy something for you and then tell you how much you owe them back. I've heard of somebody doing that, but that's not a gift. A gift, the only thing you can do with a gift is either receive it or not. Now, Paul's very clear about that. Then look what he says in verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Paul is saying the same things James said. After salvation, after receiving that gift, now you're supposed to work. It's not like you say a little prayer and heaven, baby, you can do whatever you want. You're going to heaven. That's not scriptural. That's not God's plan. You are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for works. That's what this passage says. That's what James says. The brethren are supposed to now be working and serving and ministering. So if you're somebody who's really content to just be on your way to heaven, the Bible says there's something a little wrong with your faith. Genuine faith leads you to do something about it. 
Now, we understand that in a practical sense. Like if you honestly believe there was a bomb strapped to the bottom of this piano, you wouldn't be sitting here wondering what will happen when it blows up. There's not one. We're good. Okay? Uh, what, what would you do? You would not only get out, but you'd make sure everybody else got out. Yeah, those of you who are able-bodied, you'd be helping the women and kids and, and the guys that aren't as able-bodied, and you'd be helping everybody get out. You'd, uh, you'd go, Brandon would take off down that hallway. He'd get the kids out of here. We'd go, we wouldn't even go to our cars. We'd go way out in the field out there and wait till a bomb squad came in because who knows how big it could be if we believed it. Well, the Bible says something a whole lot bigger than a bomb is coming. Judgment day is coming. And people are either going to go to heaven to be with the Lord or they're going to go to hell and the lake of fire in punishment. The end of life is coming. We don't know when it's going to come. I, I was uh, uh, reading about somebody. They thought that, well, at the end of their life, they'd, they'd try and straighten it out, you know, right before the end. I have actually watched people die. Sometimes as a result of a car crash when I was a chaplain uh, or in the Marine Corps, a motorcycle accident. Um, sometimes it happens suddenly. Uh, sometimes it's a long, drawn-out process. My mom spent eight years dying. And, and sometimes it, it takes time. But sometimes you don't get a chance. And sometimes a good friend of mine who is way younger than I am now, uh, he had a stroke. And he instantly lost the capacity to speak or think. He just could lay there till he had another stroke and died. And we don't know, but, but we know the end is coming. The end of our life on earth and the end of life on earth as we know it. Both of those events are coming. So if we have faith, what do we do about it? Well, if you genuinely believe that somebody must trust Christ as their Savior, then you try and bring Christ up into conversations. You, you talk about him a little bit, and you pray for other people a lot. You try and pray them toward the Lord and pray them in the Lord. You, you care about people. Why? Well, because if you have received the gift of salvation, you understand Jesus didn't give you this gift so you could have a way cool eternity. He gave you this gift so that you could have a way cool eternity and so that you could represent him on earth right now. And so James is saying, without, faith, without works, your faith is dead. If you genuinely believe Christ, Look at what happened to the disciples. After Christ rose from the dead and they genuinely believed their Savior had risen, they became uncomfortable. They stood before rulers and said, we're not afraid of you. We're following God. And Jesus Christ is the Lord and you're going to answer to him someday. And they had no fear because they were following God. And a lot of Christians have a fear of offending people. Well, listen, if you're going to offend somebody, it's better somebody on earth than it is to offend God, right? You should 
follow God. Follow his teaching. Follow what he says. So Paul and James are saying that you are genuinely saved by faith. I'm sorry, that if you are genuinely saved by faith, then your values and your actions and your life should be different. It should become more aligned with the values of Scripture and with the model of our Lord Jesus Christ, before or after. Works do not help you get saved. They cannot. Here's the truth. Jesus has already done every work possible for you to be saved. Jesus has already done it. He was the sinless, perfect Son of God. What a weird world he must have lived in. He knew the absolute truth, and he lived with people who were so blinded. And he talked with religious leaders who rejected the truth of God's word, and they were more focused on their political ambitions. And you know that happens in churches today. And, and then Jesus, as he hung on the cross, dying for our sins, he spent more time caring for other people, even from the cross. He looked down on the soldiers who were putting him to death and the people who were mocking him. He said, Father, don't lay this sin to their charge. As if he's saying, God, don't let this be their only opportunity of grace. Let him have another chance. And he turned to the thief on the cross beside him and said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. While he's dying, he's reaching out and saving the man on the next cross. And then he looks down to his mother and he puts her in the care of his closest disciple, John. The scriptures call John the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now I know John's the one who wrote those words, but none of the other guys argued with him. And by the way, James here, James is the half-brother of Jesus. And James wrote after John wrote those words. And James could have said, dude, I'm really the one Jesus loved because we were like half-brothers, you know. But no, they let it stand. They believed it. John and Jesus were so close, Jesus put Mary in John's care. And you know what? That might have offended James. James would have thought as the next oldest brother, he would be the one in charge of his mother, but he wasn't. But then three days later, after Jesus rose from the dead and James met Jesus, he trusted in him, and now he calls himself a servant of Jesus Christ, a bond slave of Jesus, and he wants to serve him and follow him. Jesus has done every work necessary. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins in full. The sins you already committed and even the sins that you will commit the penalty has been paid. You have to receive the gift. But works show or demonstrate your faith after you've been saved. Works can't get you saved, but they show that you're a believer after you've been saved. So you can look at somebody and say, you know, are they really believing what God's word says? Well, you can watch what they do. How do they spend their time? How do they spend their money? How do they care for other people? What are the sorts of things they like to do? How do they care for other people? How do they minister? And what James and Paul are saying, if you can look at somebody 
who says they're a follower of Jesus, but their life is all about themselves, how they can get ahead, what they can do, how they can, and their life is not about caring for other people, then they're not following the model of their Lord and they're not living out their faith. And that type of faith, according to James and Paul, is not living faith. So you have to get your works in the right place, not before salvation, but after salvation. You have to get that straight. And then you demonstrate your faith to a lost and dying world. You live what God's word says. And by the way, one of the things you do is if God gives you a health problem and you go to the doctor, you give evidence of your faith in Christ. I, you can witness to them. I'm not talking about just verbally witnessing to them. I think that's great. I, God's given me that opportunity. But you show that you can trust God. We have hardships on earth. Life is difficult. But we walk with the Savior. He is sustaining us and helping us and assisting us. And so Paul said, true faith leads directly to faithfully serving God with the abilities he's given you. And James said, faith without works is dead. It's not a living faith. So James and Paul and God want believers to live out their faith, to, to do works that show that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. So two questions. Number one, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you're here this morning and you don't know that if you walked out, got in a car accident this afternoon and you died, and you don't know that you would be in heaven right after you died, don't leave. Trust Christ. In a moment, we're going to sing a song, and, and you can step out, you can come down here to the front. You know what we would do? We'd pair you up with somebody who can show you from God's word how you can be saved. They would love to show you how to be saved. I was in a camp service and it was in an auditorium and, and we were there and I felt the Lord urging me to trust Christ as my savior. And I got up and I walked down to the front and the guy who led me to the Lord was my youth pastor and he prayed with me and I received Christ as my savior. And you know how God worked in the future in our lives? His son, that youth pastor's son married our oldest daughter, and now he and I share grandkids. Because God made us first family in the Lord, and now family in the flesh too. God changes things when you receive him. And if you're not sure, let us show you today how you can be sure. Because this we know, the end is coming, and we don't always get to see it coming but it's coming. Here's the second question. If yes, if you have trusted Jesus as your savior, if you know that if you died today, you'd end up in heaven, then how are you ministering to others for him? How is somebody else's life blessed because you're here on planet earth serving Jesus Christ? What works are you doing because you're a follower of Christ? God, James, Paul, and others said this is the normal process for those who know Jesus. 
I was talking with Larry and Patty. Ben and I visited with them. That was just yesterday. We visited with them. I'd visited with them before. We went through the process of going through some stuff for membership. And, and, we were ta and Larry and Patty said this. They said, listen, we want to join. How can we serve? What can we do? We need to be doing something to make the world a better place because we're followers of Jesus. Because we have been saved by grace through faith. So, are you saved? Are you serving? Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.